I'm going to be smiling and laughing throughout this whole story, okay? And it is not funny at all. I already was having a hard time, but let's let's throw a little more cortisol into the mix. No, my, my, my point was just like, you know, completely lost. I won't lie. Not <laughs> Okay, we're here. Welcome back to the Breakdown to Breakthrough podcast, your tough love podcast where we talk about hard times, healing, and helping others. Today's topic is one that we could not finish season one without, and it is therapy. Mm -hmm. Therapy. Therapy. Yes, we are going to talk about therapy today. And we had an amazing guest come on. Crystal was able to interview her. So Crystal, why don't you introduce our guest for this episode as well? Yeah, so had the incredible opportunity to sit down with Laura. Um, She is right now she's a provisional licensed professional counselor. Um, And in a couple weeks, she's going to be all finalized as a licensed professional counselor. So um, Laura is incredible, to say the least. Um, And I think Throughout this episode, listeners are going to get a great chance to hear how incredible her perspective is, but she, um, it's still morning. I'm trying to warm up my voice a little (laughs) bit more. It is still morning, yes. Um, So Laura works in nonprofit counseling and um, has had a lot of experience with people from all different walks of life. And during this episode, we really got to, I say we, it was just her and I got to sit down and unpack some really vital things to consider and understand before going to therapy and also things to um, take into account when maybe you think you don't want to go to therapy or you're not sure if therapy is right for you. Um, Yeah, Laura is really incredible and um, I I think she had a lot to offer for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. She did have a lot to offer that I think will be really helpful. And we wanted to have a professional opinion, a professional voice in this episode. So it's really well balanced between you and I, and also a professional as well. So firsthand experience from more of a patient or a client perspective, and then firsthand experience from the actual professional perspective. Before getting into the whole topic of therapy today, I want to make sure we start this conversation off by saying that if you've never been to therapy before, if you're kind of afraid of therapy or wherever you fall on the spectrum of therapy, please hang out for this episode and listen to its entirety because there's going to be a lot of really good stuff. And I'm a person that believes that any person can benefit from even just a little bit or a lot of therapy. So no matter who you are, whether you've consistently done therapy, tried therapy and didn't like it, or maybe have never tried therapy before, please hang out, please listen, and listen with an open mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe you're, you've been through therapy and you're not at a place where you want to step back into it, or maybe you feel like you already kind of get the gist of it. That's awesome too. But I think really the conversation with Laura and her, her two cents on, on the issue, um, is entertaining too. Like, it's really interesting to hear from a therapist and this perspective. So, um, but yeah, the, the other thing I think is important to point out is, um, Gabby and I are not experts in this. Um, Laura is the one that is the professional 100%. But also, you know, it is important to do your own research and talk to professionals in your life and um, get in contact with someone you feel comfortable with talking about. So and, and I know we've said this before on the podcast, but yeah, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to healing... Um, we're sharing our journeys and we're not here to tell you how you should or should not do things. We're just offering advice um, from two people who have been through a lot and have found a lot of uh, help and healing in our own ways. So just something to keep in mind as we dive into this episode for sure. Yeah. And you 
make me want to mention that I, since my mom have passed and probably in about, ooh, I'd say eight months, have not been to therapy. So my goal, this episode has really motivated me. I had a goal of reaching out to three therapists before we started recording this episode, and I have. So I'm in the process of getting back to therapy. I've seen several therapists before, but at this very moment, I'm not in therapy and I'm anxious to get back. So just want to throw that out there too, not currently in therapy, but working to get back into therapy because it has been such a strong and important healing tool in my life, even before my mom passed away, that it's absolutely necessary at this time of my life as well. Yeah. Therapy. Love it. <laughs> Love it. All right. All right. Let's, let's just dive into it. Let's do it. So... I always encourage people who are in different states than I am to just kind of like do some Googling to figure out what the terminology is in your state because it might be slightly different. Mm -hmm. But generally, um, counseling, so if, if the storefront or the building front says counseling, oftentimes it might be attached to a religion. So sometimes it's like Christian counseling, or it might just be kind of Counseling is more of the lower level disturbances in life. So it's more for situational type things, like maybe I'm going through a rough divorce, or maybe I'm having like a little bit of a identity crisis, like I want to change careers, mm -hmm. things like that, or counseling, like marriage counseling, that's counseling as well. Um, so counseling is usually for people who are maybe like tiptoeing into receiving mental health treatments generally handles those kind of lower level disturbances. Um, sometimes like some anxiety, some depression, but a lot of times people who are branded as counselors do not have higher levels of education. In Missouri, you can get like counseling credentials with just a high school diploma. Um, mm -hmm. You get like a higher one if you have a, an undergraduate degree, but Generally, the best keyword, if you're looking for like traditional, like actual, like mental health treatment. So mm -hmm. I use the keyword of treatment versus like talk counseling, traditional therapy, like what I do. And that is for people who have like either some severe mental illness or like severe trauma. Um, and that the keyword you should always look for there is therapist. Um, in Missouri, it's very annoying because when you're a therapist, they make you go legally by an LPC, which is a licensed professional counselor, even mm. though you can't be an LPC without at least a master's degree. So it's like everyone that I know whose credential is LPC, their job title is still therapist. I think peer specialists are amazing. I love them. Mm. They serve a very, very different role than therapists and counselors but it's a much needed role. So their role is, and I'm probably gonna use the term recovery a lot, but we use the term recovery for all types of mental illness because it's something that you're gonna live with forever. So you're always gonna be recovering. Getting to a quality of independent life that you want maintainable for you. So peer specialists are fabulous because they're able to provide that like first world hope. They're able to say, hey, like I was in and out of psych wards, I had, all of these similar things to you, but look at me now. So they don't, they don't do therapy. They literally do like here, providing hope, providing support. Um, it's really helpful because some people can get, I mean, you've been in therapy before as well. You know that sometimes it can start to feel like, oh, this expert is like telling me all these things that I'll probably never be able to achieve. And yeah. like even the best, the warmest therapist, there's still sometimes a little bit of the like, that's all great. Thanks for saying that, but I could never do that. So a peer specialist can be really helpful. The beauty of peer specialists that something they can do that we can't do is they're mm -hmm. allowed to disclose, right? They can tell personal mm -hmm. stories. Of course, like with a grain of salt, the story should benefit the client, not just you, obviously. But like, I can't do that because in order for therapy to work, it has to be objective. It has to be non-biased. So it's a balance of, I have to keep this rapport with you, but I also can't tell you something that's going to change your opinion of me in a way that you think I won't help you. So they always kind of fill a very helpful role. So I, I refer people to peer specialists for a lot of things. Sometimes if I have a client who I can just tell is very much like, I'll never be able to be okay. I can sometimes send them to a few sessions with a peer specialist so they can be like, hey, like this person was at their rock bottom as well and look at them. 
But I, I'm the type of person where instead of bringing like my personal life into therapy, I bring my personality into therapy. And that, that has always helped me. Whereas I don't usually get all those questions because they're able to connect to me because I'm not like a blank slate. I bring like, I bring humor and I'll wear like quirky earrings, quirky outfits, stuff like that. Like I'll, yeah. I'll talk about like my cat, right? That's something mm-hmm. like, you can be like, oh, she's a cat lover. I hate her. But like, that probably won't carry too long into the sessions. You'll get over sure. that. When it comes to trauma, like if you've had a lot of grief or you've been through some sort, you're some sort of a survivor. Mm-hmm. I think you should, no matter what, you should get a little bit of therapy just because it's extremely isolating to go through something like that. Um, and you're always, we're humans. We compare ourselves to everyone. So if I went through childhood yeah. trauma, I'm going to compare my childhood to my peers' childhoods. And they're not really my peers, right? Because they didn't go through that childhood trauma. So that's going to mm-hmm. isolate me. I'm going to have my friends who I can tell them, yes, this terrible thing happened to me, but they won't fully, fully understand it. And yeah. the, like the look of shock on their face, the look of concern on their face, only going to isolate me more. So I think when it comes to trauma, the sign is just that you've been through trauma. You should try it out. And you don't have mm-hmm. to go forever. You don't have to go for even more than like two sessions, but you should get at least that one session of someone normalizing what you've been through and that mm-hmm. any way that you coped with it, any way that you adapted with it was perfectly fine. So I think yeah. for trauma stuff, that's your sign. Just go whenever you yeah. feel ready, of course. Because um, mm-hmm. sometimes we need to block it out for a while for our own safety and that's totally fine. Um, when it comes to other stuff, I always tell people to kind of pay attention to the main other parts of your life. So interpersonal, are you having a lot of interpersonal conflicts? Work, are you having a really, really hard time keeping jobs, staying at jobs, are you getting in fights at your job? Sleep, is your sleep just completely out of whack? Maybe you've been to a physical doctor and they don't know what the hell's going on. Um, emotions, can you label them? Can you express them? Do you know what they are? Are they jumping up and down? Um, and then behavior. Are you able, do you have a lot of weird impulses going on? Are you having kind of crazy urges? Do you have moments where you're feeling kind of out of control? So mm-hmm. I always tell people to kind of like branch it out more instead of thinking like about your actual brain and your mental and your cognitions. Yeah. Think more about like the areas of your functioning and if they're being impacted. Yeah. That's usually the biggest telltale sign. Like if your mental health is bleeding out into everything around you, you need you need a little extra support. Do and I think... say the same thing for people who leave therapy, like who graduate therapy, and maybe a few years down the line, if you start noticing that happening again, jump back in, get a refresher. Yeah. Do you think um, for people who are maybe seeing some of those signs and feeling a little bit more hesitant to get started in therapy or any form of counseling do you think there's um what would you say to someone like that I would say call a therapy helpline because just a random person on the phone who's qualified um they're not going to call you back if you hang Mm -hmm. up on them it can be a real I worked on a helpline for like three years there were a lot of people who called me and were literally kind of like hey like if I come in like what's going to happen to me and I love Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of like talk them through it um, or I had, I had a lot of loved ones call and be like, Hey, like my so-and-so is like struggling really hard with severe depression. What do I, how do I help them? I think helplines are a really great place. Please don't go to the internet. Um, don't go to Twitter. Don't go to TikTok. I mean, as a real, the, the real world human of me, not like the therapist of me, it hurts every part of my being when I see like Twitter mental health and TikTok mental health, like people being like, I'm dissociatable. And I'm like, that's not what that is. Like, (laughs) there's just so much, there's all these buzzwords. And a lot of times we think buzzword means like science. Um, No, like I see people all the time on like TikTok and Twitter saying that they have like these disorders that are like extremely rare. Um, And like, I could watch four of their videos and be like, you don't have that at all. You might not have any (laughs) mental illness. yeah please please do please don't do that um I would also say like if you happen to have a peer like a friend who you know has been in therapy ask them because Mm -hmm. most people who finally kind of made the brave choice to go to therapy we love to talk about it like Mm -hmm. maybe not just out to the world to everyone but if like a trusted friend comes to us and is like hey like I know you like therapy tell me about it we're like oh hell yeah let's do that let's talk about it or 
also like Google like a counseling or a therapist in your area, call, ask, yeah. ask some questions. I mean, especially if they're accepting new clients, they're going to usually take the time to kind of talk to you a little bit. And if they don't, mm-hmm. you'll know, hey, don't ever call that place back because they suck at what they're doing. There are some people that we've heard from that have been through therapy and maybe had a hard time finding the right therapist for them or have had negative experiences with therapists in the past um, who are hesitant to go back to therapy, even though they understand the value in it, even though they, they are all for it. It's that, you know, obviously finding the right therapist is a challenge. So what do you, what is some advice you could give to someone in that position who maybe is just like exhausted in searching for the right person or um, is just feeling burned by a negative experience in the past from that? Yeah, absolutely. And this happens all the time. And a lot of times it happens because maybe we went down a route of someone who wasn't necessarily fully qualified to be doing what they were doing. And that's a problem because with mental health, like you can do so much harm if you don't know what you're doing. Um, I think this is, I think it's very important. I think it's even more important than like your doctor or your vet or anything like that, because this, this is your mind. This is your history. This is your past. This is your future, right? This is something extremely delicate and extremely important. And you should unbelievably trust the person that you let in that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, I, I think you need to, it's something that you need to be checking in on a lot. But the best thing to do is if you take the step to try it again, first session, bring that up. Talk about that. Say, hey, this happened to me in the past. This did not help. This did help. This was like really fucked up. And I want to talk about that a little bit and kind of see how they respond. I mean, I can't speak for all therapists, but every time I get a new client, I ask them, have you ever been in any sort of counseling? If they have, I say what worked, what didn't. Uh, like what made you uncomfortable? What made you comfortable? If they say they haven't, I say, give me your questions. Let's talk about like what you think and what you yeah. want to know so I can like make it a little bit more comfortable. So for one, if somebody's kind of not asking you that at the initial stage, that's maybe a little bit of a red flag because they should be asking you about that. Um, but bring it up. I tell people this all the time. Like even if you have a therapist you've been seeing for months and maybe they say one little comment that like you drive home and you're like, I didn't like that. That rubbed me the wrong way. Instead of just like firing them and never coming back, give it a try. Go in the next week and be like, I really did not like when you said that. Mm. See how it goes. Because we're humans too, right? Sometimes we make mistakes. But one thing I also think is really important for your experience with therapy. And like, this is a, this is a tricky subject because I like almost always want people to go to therapy. But timing is very important. And you shouldn't, I don't like to say you shouldn't go to therapy, but you shouldn't go to therapy if you're not willing to one, do the hard, hard work. It's hard work. Therapy is not like, you're not going to get like a prescription. It's going to help you forever. You're not going to get a cream and ointment. If you're walking into therapy, you're going to have to do some damn hard work. You're going to have to open yourself up, look at yourself, see what you like, see what you don't like, change what you don't like. It's hard, hard work. And also it's got to be a priority. If you don't have the time, the effort, or you just aren't mentally ready to give it a priority, don't go. Because what will happen is you'll go and either you'll have a really bad experience or even worse, you'll open like a can of worms, like you'll open up your trauma and then you'll be like, oh, don't have the time to prioritize this, I'm out of here. And in bad therapy, a lot of things in the world aren't like this. A lot of things in the world, like even a little bit is great. That's not true with therapy. Bad Mm. therapy is so much worse than no therapy at all. It's like Mm. friends or family. Toxic friends are so much worse than having no friend at all. It's the same with therapy. Bad therapy will do way more harm than you just kind of winging it on your own. It's all about a lot of that. It's about timing and it's about, you you need to be the expert of you. They're the expert of the mental health stuff, but you're the expert of you. You're gonna know if this is gonna work or not. Of course, give it a few times. You know, um, there's some like giant things that even in like the first session, if someone does that, get the hell out. But like little types of things, like maybe not completely vibing with them, feel it out for a little bit and talk about it. Say like, hey, 
I really want this to work, but I'm not feeling super like good about this, connected to you. Talk it through. And if the, if it still doesn't work out, get someone new and ask them for a referral. That's what yeah. they're supposed to do. We already touched on the common perspectives as it relates to therapy. And as in all episodes, we typically mention a sliding scale or spectrum of where you may fall in terms of therapy. So there's a lot of reasons why people may go to therapy. And I think it's important to address the fact that there are a lot of people and there are a lot of stereotypes around therapy. And many believe that therapy is reserved for the most messed up, trauma-heavy, worst-case scenario type situations. If you aren't going through something like that, then therapy is not for you. A lot of people are functioning with this belief that, well, my life isn't bad enough or there's not enough happening in my life to qualify for therapy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's this like outdated perspective of, yeah, only crazy people, quote unquote, crazy people go to see a quote unquote shrink. Like it's this idea that really is is so damaging because A, I, like in my personal opinion, I really think very few people are crazy. Like I don't think there's, you got a giant brain with a lot of emotions. Like there's nothing crazy about that. I, I, I think there are a lot of different perspectives walking into therapy, you know, like we touched on. But when we're going in with this idea of like, this is rock bottom, going to see a therapist, that's that's just not accurate by any means. I know plenty of people who go to therapy when things are great and and has been able have been able to make those higher highs even higher because they're able to sit with those emotions, understand them a little bit better and prepare for when other lows in life come their way. Yeah, absolutely. So off of the top of your head, what are a few examples that come to mind when you think of non-extreme situations that people could benefit from therapy? So non-extreme examples. I would say the first one is um, big life changes, even if they're not negative big life changes. Um, You know, maybe you are switching careers and you're feeling a little aimless. Um, You don't have to be in these new changes feeling depressed or negative or anything like that, but it is a little um, weird to walk through those chapters of life and figure out, okay, maybe maybe you're finally becoming, um, like building a career and stepping out of your role as a student. Um, Yeah, I think those are some of the the more... um, non like super serious ones um yeah I think I think those are like some of the most common ones I could think of but what about you yeah for sure any type of big life change and it doesn't have to be big to someone else but what feels big to you is valid and definitely a big transition in your life I think maybe in your 20s but I think this happens in other age ranges too the sort of feeling of having an identity crisis, of not really knowing who you are, what you want to do, what the rest of your life looks like. I think that's a good example. I even think of personal and professional development. So if you're just in a place, which I guess this relates to identity crisis as well, where you're like, I don't know what I want. I don't know how to goal set. I don't know how to stay organized. Like there are all of these things that you really truly honestly can work through in therapy with a professional that knows how to lead you down the right path and help you create more of whatever it is you need or want in your life. Another thing that comes to mind, though, is we talked about this in both our Tired and Boundaries episode, feeling chronically overworked or stressed out or tired. So again, you don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be a miserable human. But if you're feeling super stressed out, if you're feeling super overworked or tired, that is an indicator that maybe you have some issues with setting boundaries but also that you could really benefit from figuring out why life feels like that and working through that with a therapist too. So there are a lot of examples that we could break down. I just think it's important to bring these things top of mind for listeners in case they are functioning with this idea of, 
I can't go to therapy unless I have an extreme situation happening in my life. Yeah. Well, and also it's just like a great resource when maybe you do have a busy life and not in a bad way. Maybe you're not overworked. You're just, you have a busy life. It's a great way to be held accountable to pause and be more introspective. I know there's been periods of my life where we've always talked about journaling, but there are points in my life where things are going great. I just don't really want to sit down and journal. I just don't need to in that time. Um, But then that kind of takes away from my time to sit down and and sit with my emotions and really understand them. So going to therapy through those chapters, you know, even if it's just like a once once a month visit, you're able to really unpack and be able to sit with sit with where you're at. Even if it's a great space, um, you still owe yourself that um, moment to really look at where you're at And yeah, a a therapist is a great way to just have someone hold you accountable, which to to that point, I think looking back on um, one of the things Laura mentioned as like the differences between counseling and therapy, some of those, you may not find yourself in a chapter where you're like, "I, I need to see a licensed therapist. Maybe you need a peer counselor to see Um, You know, like if you are changing careers or going through a new life stage, a peer counselor could be great at um, showing you something they've done in those chapters of their lives and and how, yes, things may feel very unsettled or aimless right now, but here's what I did when I was in that space. Um, So I think taking into consideration too, like maybe direct therapy, like, you know, whether it's nonprofit or... um, you know, private practice, maybe that's not what you need. Maybe there's some other uh, form of um, consultations that that would be advantageous for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to touch on, there's a lot of things that go around, particularly on social that say things like, the gym is my therapy or XYZ hobby is my therapy. And yes, moving your body, doing these things that you enjoy are a form of therapy. And they do provide relief for your brain. But it is not the same as sitting down with a professional and working through whatever it is that you are there for or you feel like you need support on. It's a different exercise let's say of introspection and of really providing space for your brain and learning about yourself I really see therapy as a tool yes obviously to heal but also just as an opportunity to learn more about yourself and learn about how you function so yes those things are important in terms of going to the gym or moving your body or having hobbies that you really enjoy but it's also important to complement that with actually doing the work and providing the time for yourself to sit with yourself and with a professional and to really take that time to learn more about yourself through therapy. Yeah. And understanding, is it a coping mechanism that is therapeutic Mm -hmm. or is it therapy? Like, I think there's, there's very distinct differences there while yeah, going to the gym and working out, moving your body, all these things are, are super healing. Like you said, it is important to keep it in perspective. And, um, yeah, I I would agree. And I think, you know, Laura did point this out as well. Like the social media internet, like there's a lot of, um, misuse of the term therapy, not to say that, you know, some of these things are misused, but, but there, it's just like, we use that term so liberally and, and so widespread that it it is kind of like important to bring it back down and focus. Okay. Is it therapeutic for you? Is it a coping mechanism that helps you through whatever you're going through? Or is it really building these foundational emotional mental tools that you can use on a regular basis to get to a space you feel more comfortable or stay in a space where you feel more comfortable right you know right and just to mention therapy does help you do that as well figure out what things Mm -hmm. are therapeutic for you and what things do help you cope what led you crystal to start beginning therapy if you remember um oh boy (laughs) well so (laughs) 
I mean, I started going to therapy when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at the time I was really like looking back, I was really starting to show those first signs of um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that what I was experiencing was out of the norm um, because, again, I there was no there was nothing I was finding online or, you know, any TV representation for a a really young teenage girl going through something like that. Um, And so it started off just as anxiety and I would be nervous and like kind of obscure situations Um, and then, yeah, and then things really started getting worse because I didn't understand what was going on. I thought everyone else was dealing with, you know, all of the stuff I was going through. Um, really, I guess, trigger warning here. I, I got to the point where I was self-harming and it, it really was one of those moments where it was like, I knew it was, it was bad for me, but I really genuinely thought like everybody had those, um, urges. I thought I really was like, Oh, you know, like everybody goes through this. I just sometimes act on it more than other people. Um, and I think, you know, one day we were out of town and my mom caught on to what was happening and, um, we were just like, okay, I guess, uh, I guess something needs to happen. And that was the first time that um, I walked into a therapist's office. And um, so that's kind of it, it. It really was a snowball effect from not understanding. And and also, you know, like um, my parents didn't know what to do because they also didn't know that that was um, totally abnormal. I mean, of course, there was concern there, but but they didn't have the education on therapy because it just wasn't talked about, right? So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what got me in the door at, at, at such a young age. But, um, you know, now in this chapter of my life, it's like I want to, you know, Luke and I are in premarital. Yeah, we, we want to invest in a, a long-term relationship. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like, why wouldn't we? Yes. You know, just to figure yeah. out. Of course, we bicker and we want to find ways to navigate that a little bit better than we already do. And, um, yeah, I think it's just an investment for us at this point while things have changed for me personally, you know, so that's a long winded answer, but yeah, I mean, so, so for you, how, how old were you when you first started going? Like what was your, your entry story? I think it was before I was of legal drinking age. So I'd say probably about 20. It was, I think it was my sophomore year. Well, I know it was my sophomore year of college. So I think, yeah, that would have put me right at about 20 years old. It was shortly after my mom first got diagnosed with cancer. At this point she was stage three and there was still a lot of hope that she had a chance to actually beat her cancer. So Months after I started feeling a lot more anxious, not even about her, but just in general, because what's happening outside of our lives or in our lives will bleed into other areas of our lives, obviously. So I started getting more panicky and more anxious. And I had probably my first real panic attack my sophomore year of college. And then after that, I was like, okay, this is an indicator. This is something I've never felt before. I don't think like, at least for me, this isn't normal. I've always had anxiety, but I had never really experienced a true panic attack. So that's what motivated me to go into therapy. And it was provided through our campus. So at our college, you would be assigned to a therapist. They would ask you a series of triage questions to try and pair you with someone. And at the time, they asked me if I had a preference between a male or a female counselor. And I didn't have a preference at the time. And I've talked about Rolando, I think, once before on a different episode. So he was my first and only male counselor. I think he was considered a counselor that I had ever worked with. So 
But I remember specifically, so you went to the health center on campus because the mental health services and also the doctor, just the typical health, physical health services were in the same building. So there was like a waiting room. And I remember how terrifying it was before my first ever appointment. Like I I would compare it to, and I, I don't love roller coasters, but I was before getting on a roller coaster like that excited nervous terrified energy I was just sitting there and I felt like my stomach was doing flips I was like what am I gonna say what what's gonna happen like I was this close to getting up and being like you know what I can't do this and I feel like Maybe if it's your first time, you might think that's an indicator that it's not right for you. And at least for me, I can only speak on behalf of myself, but it is terrifying. It's even terrifying to get back into therapy. Like with each new person that you work with, it's scary. Like it's just scary to open up to a human, whether you know it's on a professional basis or not, because it's something new. So that has been something that has always followed me. It wasn't just with Rolanda, with each new person that I was able to work with, I was scared. And so if you have those feelings as well, just lean into them, be open-minded and allow yourself the space to just feel those things. Yeah. And it's going to feel different for everybody, but Mm -hmm. I agree like this, this, um, so I've had, this is, I'm on my fourth therapist now. Um, and this one, we just, we just started going and, um, Luke and I, and the, the feelings were very similar as you just described. Like I, I think there's like other things I've carried into the, the, I guess like treatment room. It's just like, uh, whatever into the office where from, from other places where things like, um, you know, sitting in silence while I'm like kind of thinking about something the therapist is talking about or, um, whatever it may be like, those things don't scare me as much as they used to, but yeah, the initial walking in and, you know, trying to like find a way to like a starting point. That was something I, I very vividly remember on our first appointment where I was like, like, where do I even begin? Maybe this, maybe this is in the finale. I think it is in the finale, but I think we've talked about it before too. Like we are whole human beings. We talked about it with Mel, you know, like we're walking into therapy with this, this whole tree of like experiences and how they relate back to things we've been through or how they project into the future on our fears and stuff. So finding a starting point, I think that is really nerve wracking too. And it is a totally normal to be nervous and B there like the therapist is not going to be like, Oh, what the heck? You don't even know where to st- like, what you need me for what? Um, I think, and, and in that instance, I would really urge you to just say like, yeah, I'm just nervous. I don't know. Like I'm trying to figure out where to even start because if you can tell them, I'm trying to figure out where to even start or like, I don't even know what to say right now. I, I to my understanding and in my experience, they're going to ask you questions and they're going to just like, okay, what do you do for a living? Or like, what are you studying in school? Or what are some of your hobbies? Like breaking the ice in a way that's very, um, accessible to someone who's nervous. And, and that, that is like a really good sign of a therapist who is ready to make you comfortable and hear you out. therapist shouldn't be like telling you stories about their life like especially on your time like if you're Mm -hmm. innocent like sometimes little tidbits of like I've been through something similar like stuff like that like just general empathy is connection so you'll get some of that it shouldn't be like telling you stories it also shouldn't be telling you stories like about their other clients of course like Mm -hmm. using people's names that's like a fake one but even saying like Mm -hmm. oh I had a client who and then a very specific story like that's not okay either and also why, like what relevancy is that? It's not helping me, yeah. it's just you kind of talking. Um, unless you're at like a Christian counseling place, your therapist should not be bringing up religion. If you bring it up, if you come into therapy and you're like, my faith is like the only thing keeps me going. They, they might allude to it every once in a while. They might say like, oh, did you like pray when you were feeling really stressed out? But they shouldn't be bringing theirs. 
if that makes sense. Mm, if they bring yeah. yours up because you've brought it up, that's fine because they're helping you lean on to a thing that brings you comfort, but they shouldn't be bringing theirs up. Um, same with like politics. Oh my God, your therapist should yeah. never bring up anything political. That would be really scary. Telling you what to do. Your therapist should never tell you what to do. Even like advice type things, that's not the role of a therapist. That's the role of peers. Um, and even sometimes peers, I think, shouldn't give advice because everybody's thing is different. You can say, I did this and it worked for me, but you shouldn't ever be like, go try this. Um, mm -hmm. Therapists are going to teach you things and maybe ask that you try them, but they should never be like, you need to go dump your boyfriend. You need to quit your job, mm -hmm. right? It shouldn't be like an actual, like, I think you should do this. Our entire job is to figure out what kind of life you want to lead and then help you get whatever is the most sustainable way of that, right? Like kind of help you yeah. trickle down what might be realistic about that. But we're not there to give advice. We're there to help you discover your own advice. Um, yeah. Your therapist shouldn't like be mad at you. Your therapist shouldn't be like texting you things that don't have anything to do with like an appointment reminder. Normally boundary type things. Like if you feel like your therapist is like communicating with you more than they maybe should, that's that's a red flag because mm -hmm. that's that's not normal. The process of finding a therapist is a process in and of itself. Before I was not actively looking for a new therapist, I forgot how much of, you know, it is a process to find somebody that is a good match for you. What are some red flags that maybe you've experienced or that come to mind of therapists at, that maybe indicate that this might not be a good match for you? Yeah, I, well, and just to, um, I guess, make a clarification, a red flag for, for myself, maybe not necessarily as the, a red flag that the therapist is like bad at their a job bad or person. anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, it has been, um, kind of like approach, like ideology approach. Um, I'm not someone who really, I don't seek any spiritual or religious, um, uh, like pillars in my healing journey. That's not something that really is effective or works for me, but, um, you know, that, or, um, maybe someone who, um, I'm just thinking back to my first, my first counselor who was really driven by more holistic practice than, than maybe other forms of therapy, um, I would say, yeah, I think, I think just finding someone who outside of therapy, I could see myself getting along with yes. and, and, you know, of course, Laura kind of touches on this about, um, there's not a, a, a personal rapport that you're building deeply, but there is those like foundational grounds where like, if I'm not going to like enjoy getting a cup of coffee with this person I'm not going to open up to him about my trauma period it's just like it doesn't work that way um so I think that's those are some of the few things I've experienced but um yeah what about you have you have you ever sat down with a therapist and been like oh we're just not clicking this isn't gonna work yeah I have so actually if when I find a therapist this will also be my fourth therapist therapist twinsies but Laura mentioned building rapport through something like her cat for example which I thought was a really good example of a medium ground where you're able to build rapport with that person and you're able to connect because at the end of the day that is what you're seeking through therapy you have to feel like you're connected to this person because you're opening up about a lot of stuff that's happening in your life so I would say it's probably easier to mention green flags than it is red flags, but I have worked with a therapist and it was also during COVID. So it was through Zoom and that was the first time I had ever done therapy through a device versus in person. And we probably had five or six sessions together and I don't remember the exact exchange we had, but we had a conversation that was very invalidating and I still don't remember exactly what she said I could probably find it but it doesn't even matter but there was an experience where I felt really invalidated and after that I was like okay this is not a good fit for me I've given it enough sessions to see if I would warm up to her because 
there's only one person Rolando's the only therapist that I've or counselor I've ever worked with that I immediately felt connected to him but everyone else that I've worked with it's taken two or three sessions for me to be like okay this feels a little bit more normal I feel like I'm building a relationship with this person so I typically say unless your first session is you feel really standoffish from that person I try to give it about three sessions and if by the third session I'm like I just am not jiving with this person it's really hard for me to open up to this person it's not natural then I typically try to find a different option and that's only ever happened to me one time but again everyone's experience is really unique and I think at the end of the day it just comes down to a vibe for me like am I vibing with this person how do I feel when I walk into the room am I able to just have a conversation like you said because at the end of the day you want to connect with another human and again it doesn't make them a bad person or a bad professional it's just not a right fit like I compare it to dating a lot it's not like dating but I compare it to because there's a lot of similarities it might just not be a good match well and that kind of leads us into another great point is if if you're in you're sitting in your very first therapy session or maybe it's your first session back Understanding those expectations of maybe you you aren't going to hit it off on the first session, but the middle of the second session, you really start to click and understand um, where that counselor is coming from, where that therapist is coming from. That is being able to understand and allow yourself the to, to experience that journey. You know, like maybe if there aren't any real clear red flags on the first time, Um, maybe it is worth going for a second visit and trying it out. Of course, therapy is extremely individualized. Everyone's going to look different, but there are a lot of kind of core things that are going to be similar. Um, I think expectations, you should have the expectation that you're going to have to do work. Um, The main type of work is at the bare minimum, you have to become self-aware. You have to be able to reflect the introspective. But even more important than that, you have to go into therapy being willing to be honest. You have Mm -hmm. to be willing to be honest because if you go to therapy and you lie, you're not going to get anything. You're going to waste your time. You're going to waste their time. And Mm -hmm. you're going to waste the space from someone who maybe was willing to go and they're sitting on a wait list, right? So- honesty, being able to kind of really, really look at yourself. It's not, I mean, of course, some people maybe will let you come every week and just vent about your life, but that's not what therapy actually is. That's more of the counseling type thing. Um, It's not going to be, I just vent. I mean, there might be a few sessions every once in a while, there's going to maybe be a session where like you just vent the whole time a little bit. Cause that, that's one thing you can get out of therapy. One small thing is you can get relief and finally talking about things that maybe you've never talked about before. But that's not all it is. And I think sometimes movies and the internet kind of make it seem like that's all it is. Like I unload all of this and then I feel great and I leave. No, Mm -hmm. the unloading is like the very first step. The unloading gives everyone a plan of where to go with treatment. So unloading is like the bare minimum there of kind of letting things out, getting that relief. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of most therapists, when we, when we do therapy clinically, clinically means that it's behavior change oriented. There's going to be a behavior that either I'm going to completely get rid of and replace with something healthy, or I'm going to change it, or I'm going to adapt it. Or maybe the behavior is I don't have this, and the change is going to be I'm going to get this, like impulse mm. control or um, self-worth, things like that, right? So clinical therapy, there's some sort of behavior change going on there. Sometimes there's like eight different behavior changes, but you kind of go through them one at a time. Yeah. The biggest thing though, that I always want people to know is like, once again, your therapist should tell you this at some point, but if they don't, I'll say it now. You are going to get worse before you get better. That's just how it works. I mean, most people who go to therapy, they have been holding something deep down inside them for a very long time. And in order to let go of that or to heal from that, you have to bring it all the way out to the surface. And that's messy. That's not pretty. It's not fun. It hurts like hell. But it's the only way to get past it. 
Um, there's a quote from a, she's like famous in the therapy world. She's fabulous. I adore her. Her name's Marsha Linehan. Um, I might slightly butcher it, but it's something like the path to crawl up out of hell is, is horrible, but it's so much better than staying down in it and staying miserable. Mm. It's true. Wow. They both yeah. suck, but only one, only one can ever finally get you relief, right? It'll be miserable for a while as well, but there's at least a light at the end of that tunnel versus just sitting and staying in a place in a, in a well-being that is hurting you and making you feel terrible. On that note, are there any, what is your experience specifically the first time you went to therapy? What was, what were some of the expectations you walked in with, if any? Yeah. So I, I think that this has been an invisible thread through all of my time in therapy. I always, at the beginning, and I've worked through this and I no longer have this expectation, but at the beginning, I thought I would walk out and feel completely refreshed, like a new person, like I had all the tools that I needed to just go and run full speed ahead and not really have to come back to therapy. I thought session number one, like was going to heal me and give me all the tools that I needed, but mainly that I was going to walk out feeling totally better. And sometimes I do walk out of sessions and think, wow, I feel really good. That really helped me. I feel like a weight was lifted off my shoulders, but more times than not, in my experience, I walk out of a session with a little bit of heaviness because you are talking about things, you are working through things that maybe you're not talking about actively with other people and you're working through the deep shit in your life. Like at least that's what I'm doing when I'm in therapy. And so it's like shaking up the dust, but the dust is always going to be there. So it has to be shaken up in one way or another, but I don't always walk out of the room feeling better than before I came in and that doesn't mean that it's not working or it doesn't mean that it's not helping me heal because a healing isn't linear and there's really no finish line or you know it's a it's an ongoing process but also b sometimes when you're shaking those things up it's not going to feel good but it is in the long run helping you work through some of those things so my main expectation that I had that I no longer have is walking out of a session, I'm going to instantly feel better. Yes, sometimes that happens, but more times than not, I don't feel amazing when I walk out of a session. Yeah, and that's a great point that, that Laura also brought up. It's like you, it, it, it's going to look worse before it looks better. Yes. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think that that picture you painted of like shaking up the dust is really as someone who's been in therapy for years, I, I totally agree with that because yes, those, those hard times you've gone through those really challenging, the, all that shit is still going to be there. Therapy is not going to erase your memory. This is just like a shout out. If you've ever watched eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, my favorite movie of all time, you can't go into a doctor's office and have these horrible memories cleared out of your brain. Um, that would be great. People would pay a lot of money for it. They do in that movie. But therapy gives you those, those new tools to kind of reprocess that. And that's not, um, it's the same way as like getting a cast on your arm. It's, it's never comfortable having a cast. It's never comfortable going to physical therapy. Um, but you're able to really strengthen yourself in, in those ways, which maybe that's not the best way to say it. Cause I don't necessarily think you're not strong in the first place, but you're really allowing yourself those new, um, like a, a change in mobility emotionally and mentally. You're really growing and expanding in that way. So, um, no, I think that's a, a really great analogy. You're the analogy queen as always. <laughs> I do love analogies. I'm a visual learner, so it really helps me. Like when I was in college, I had to learn a rhyme to remember things or I am an audio visual person, but take it one session at a time because I think 
the experience is going to be unique per session and it's going to reflect what you're currently going through as well but also a point to that is sometimes you're going to outgrow or you're going to need a new therapist i found this specifically the person i was working with through my mom's cancer journey in the past two years after my mom passed and her and i had a very frank conversation with each other she said you might want to look into looking into a different person that hasn't been like actively going through this with you but she said it's totally your decision you can either continue working with me or find someone new and i made the decision to start looking for someone new because charlie is her name I just felt like I couldn't continue working with her because we had focused so heavily on my mom's cancer journey and actively going through it that at some point you do reach a plateau with someone and you might outgrow that specific person and that's okay again you just have to be in tune with how you're feeling with the person how you're driving with them and be open to saying you know what I probably need to find someone new I need to switch it up and I am entering a new phase in my life which requires a new person to share with yeah yeah that was a great I mean yeah because it really is it's one session at a time and someday it may not work the same way that it used to and um you know, a great therapist, a normal therapist, I would say, just like the standard therapist is going to help you find someone else. For people who want to get into therapy, who are ready and have reached that space to start that chapter for themselves, what are some options that they have if they can't afford this traditional private practice um, I say traditional because that's kind of what we're always shown in movies and stuff. So um, what what kind of options do they have to seek support in that way? There's always options. The best keyword I would say is to type in on Google like community mental health. That is, that's generally very good keywords to kind of get you where you need to go. Um, St. Louis is great. I work at a giant community mental health. There's a lot more out there. the more specific that you get, sometimes the quicker you can get in. So like, say I'm seeking therapy for like childhood, like witnessing domestic violence. Like I can mm-hmm. type in like domestic violence, community mental health. Right. And that'll send me somewhere more specific and I might be able to get in a little quicker. Um, this time right now, right before winter, like fall before winter is a really good time to try to get into nonprofits because our wait lists are usually like kind of a little lower. Whereas when winter starts, a lot of that seasonal depression kicks in. Um, holidays are just rough. So you yeah. t- tend to get a bit of an uptick. So like the fall and the spring are sometimes good times because people are like, it's nice out. I'm fine. I don't need therapy. And they like disappear. Yeah. And you can slide in. But of course, go anytime that you need to go. Most places too, even if they have to put you on a wait list, we have resources while you're on the wait list. Like you won't just be all right, well, you hear from us when you hear from us. There's often a lot of things that aren't a full individual therapist, but there's things that you can do. Um, Yeah, yeah, community mental health is the best phrasing to look for. Also, just like Googling nonprofit, because if they're a nonprofit, they're there to help you. They're not going to turn you away because you don't have money. But community mental health is a good phrasing. Um, It's actually even better now than it used to be because it used to kind of be if you lived in a rural area, your only options were like two people that you probably went to high school with that are now private practice therapists that are like $200 a session. Yeah. (laughs) Now, because of COVID, the government has allowed us to do telehealth like legally, like the Department of Mental Health has okayed that. Whereas before us nonprofits, like we had very, very strict rules. If we did even one little thing, they wouldn't pay for it. So get better government for one, but now we have more options. Like I I can have clients who live out like in the middle of nowhere, as long as they have internet. And we even have hotspots and iPads that we can like drive to people. Um, But now you don't have to like drive into the metropolitan city to get your free therapy. Of course that might change at any point, but I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that part of it is here to stay because there's so many people in rural areas that just don't get help because they don't know how like if yeah. if I live in a small farm town that there's no therapist and I don't have a car I'll never get the therapy I need so yeah. it's really frustrating but that's one thing that is 
COVID has actually kind of helped us because it's made mm -hmm. it more accessible. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really incredible. Every single big city, they got some nonprofits that are going on. But using that phrase community mental health is helpful because most, there's always exceptions, obviously, but most like big nonprofits that have therapy, that's not all they do. So if you type in like free therapy, you're going to find like weird chats online that are like probably not actually clinically relevant. But if you type yeah. in like community mental health, you're going to find a place that has like caseworkers, like where I work, we have caseworkers, we have nurses, we have pharmacists, like we have fitness instructor people, like it's, it's a one-stop shop. So yeah. a lot of times if you find that and you find a number and then you call them and you tell them that you're looking for like individual therapy, they'll yeah. either be able to, and if you call the wrong one and they don't have it, they know all of the other ones. I know every single nonprofit in St. Louis, like yeah. we know their names, we know their numbers, like we talk to each other, like being in the nonprofit world is very tough. So we kind of lean on each other a lot. So yeah. don't be like, I don't know if I should call this one because what if they don't have therapy? They'll get you where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. So help do your research. Also, and... Helplines have, when I worked in my helpline, I had a binder like this thick full of mm -hmm. like the most individualized, like you could, there was like a section for like 12 to 14 year old, like queer teens. Like we had such individualized things. So helplines yeah. are also a fabulous resource and don't feel bad for calling them because a lot of times my like five hour shift, I get like three calls. So, or okay. I'd get like 400 calls. Like it really just depends on the day, but yeah. they're there for you to call them and they have resources. You don't have to call because you're in a crisis. Like that's right. why I, I use the term, most of the time, the good ones will use the term helpline instead of hotline because hotline okay. kind of feels like it's like a, I'm reporting a problem or I'm having a crisis. Whereas helpline yeah. is like, just call if you need some help. Laura did mention a ton of amazing stuff about low-cost options. There's so much that goes into that, and that is a huge factor of making therapy accessible. We always include it in our show notes as well. We started doing that with every single episode. I do also just want to touch on specifically what tools I use to, like right now, what I'm using super basic. I typically use psychologytoday.com. It gives you a bunch of things to filter by. So you can put in the area that you live, maybe the specific concerns that you want to work through. You can filter by religious or not religious. There's all of these different things that you can filter by and it will populate a list of psychologists near you that you can go through we'll list that in the show notes as well but this allows you to look through people put a face to a name many of them have started doing it's like a trailer <laughs> they put a little video introduction of themselves it's almost like a tiny little Facebook page so you can really go through and then reach out to them via email maybe I can even put my specific template because I have a template that I use to reach out to therapists I'll put that in the show notes as well because sometimes I think people just don't know like how do I reach out what do I say when I reach out this is weird so we will put some type of template in the show notes but that's the specific tool that I use even if somebody comes to me and is like can you help me find a therapist I use psychologytoday.com not yeah. sponsored yeah not sponsored but hey <laughs> but hey you know what season two is coming up <laughs> it sure um, is no, I think, yeah, that's the same thing I've used. I think the the template in the show notes will be great. We'll also, I mean, always check our um, Instagram page because I'm sure we'll have more on there as well. But um, yeah, I think just the final note I really want to make is is kind of a reference, Gabby, to something you said in the beginning, which was maybe what you're going through right now is really hard or maybe you think it's not hard enough to go to therapy, wherever you're falling on that spectrum. If, if there's even just a shred of you that is interested in therapy or feels as if you may get something out of therapy, test it out, try it out. Um, if you're nervous, try online options, you know, follow Laura's advice and, and look into some free options. If you don't even want to throw any money into it, like, um, or can't throw any money into it, whatever it may be, wherever you're at, if you 
have ever considered it and really are interested, give yourself a chance. There, there is so much healing that comes from therapy. And there's a reason we talk about it so often on here. Um, Gabby and I have had our fair share of hard times and we've also, you know, had therapists like we just discussed where maybe we didn't mesh right off the bat, but we've been able to find people in our areas in that, that fit our price ranges wherever we were that, that gave us tools that I, I think it's safe to say we're still using all the time, even now. Um, and you deserve to heal all of what you're experiencing or have experienced is valid. And yeah, you, you deserve to, to feel good, period. 100%. Mic drop. Mic drop. We just officially finished the last episode of season one. Wow. Wow, we did it. That's so... Oh, bittersweet. Isn't that wild? It's that very really bittersweet. I'm going to pause <sighs> my voice On behalf of Gabby and I, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Breakdown to Breakthrough. If you like this episode, please be sure to give it five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to find us online, go to bd-bt.com or on Instagram at bdbtpodcast. You can sign up to join our email list in the show notes to get updates about each new episode that goes live. Thanks again for tuning in.